I'm Laura from Laura Liz Buckley. And I'm Joe from Pages of the Moon. And welcome to episode three of season two. How exciting. Very exciting. What did you read this week, Joe? I read Four Days of You and Me by Miranda Kennelly, which is a young adult contemporary romance. What did you oh, read? That sounds sweet. Yeah. Um, I read If I Had Your Face by Frances Cha, which is a contemporary novel. Oh, intriguing. Hmm. The way this works, as you'll be familiar if you've been listening to us for a while now, is that I will read the blurb of my book, then Jill will read the blurb of hers, then I will pitch my book and talk about what I thought, pros and cons, what I liked, what I didn't like, and then of course I will say what I'm rating it in our seashell scale and also whether I'm taking it to the Ireland Library or not. Then Joe will take us through the same process with her book, and finally we will answer Joe's random question of the week. Whoop whoop! Very exciting moment. Always exciting to see what the theme tune's going to do. Yep, it's just always remixing. <laughs> yeah. So the blurb for "If I Had Your Face" is quite a long one. "If I Had Your Face" plunges us into the mesmerising world of contemporary soul, a place where plastic surgery is as routine as getting a haircut, where women compete for spots in secret room salons to entertain wealthy businessmen after hours where K-pop stars are the object of all-consuming obsession and ruthless social hierarchies dictate your every move. Navigating this cutthroat city are four young women balancing on the razor edge of survival. Kyuri, an exquisitely beautiful woman whose hard-won status at an exclusive room salon, is threatened by an impulsive mistake with a client. Her flatmate Miho, an orphan who wins a scholarship to a prestigious art school in New York, where her life becomes tragically enmeshed with the super-wealthy offspring of the Korean elite, Wana, their neighbour, pregnant with a child that she and her husband have no idea how they will afford to raise in a fiercely competitive economy, and Ara, a hairstylist living down the hall, whose infatuation with a fresh-faced K-pop star drives her to violent extremes. Ooh, there's a lot to unpack. There really is. I'm very happy that you're going first. (laughs) So let's hear your blurb. Come on, give us it. So, four days of you and me. Every May 7th, the students at Coffey County High School take a class trip. And every year, Lulu's relationship with Alex Ruvelis gets a little bit more complicated. Freshman year, they went from sworn enemies to more than friends after a close encounter in an escape room. It's been hard for Lulu to quit Alex ever since. Through breakups, makeups, and dating other people, each year's class trip brings the pair back together and forces them to confront their undeniable connection. From the Science Museum to an amusement park, from New York City to London, Lulu learns one thing is for sure. Love is the biggest trip of all. Oh, you know what this is reminding me of? Have you read One Day? Yes. Yes, I have. It's giving me One Day vibes. We'll unpack a little bit of that because I I do think that theme runs quite heavily through this book. Okay. But yeah, we'll unpack that one a little little bit later on. Okay. Uh, So, right. You'll have probably gathered from the blurb of this book that it covers kind of four characters. So I had a real hard time distilling out down a pitch that was more succinct. So this is what I've got for my pitch. Beauty, money, status. Four women living in Seoul have to navigate their places in the complex and ever-shifting hierarchy where what you're worth is tied inextricably to what you look like. 
Whether dealing with seedy room salon clients, unrequited love or disappointing husbands, one thing these women can rely on is their own resourcefulness and the support that they offer each other. Yeah, I I feel like you've had a really hard job this week because for anyone that's like sort of new and you've just jumped in we try and do our pictures sort of to rival the blurbs Mm -hmm. but when a blurb covers so much and our pitch has still got to be really short it's so hard but I think you've done a stellar job with that thank you no problem okay so I guess I better just dive in yeah please do (laughs) but some of the stuff that I will say has already been kind of covered off by the, the blurb but just for the sake of I don't know the book as it says covers kind of these four women although actually there's a fifth who I think is equally important but she's not a point of view character so the four characters that we went through in the blurb Kyuri the room salon girl Miho who is an orphan and an artist Ara who's a hairstylist and Wana who is pregnant there's also another woman who lives in the building with them Sujin so Sujin is also a pretty important character she and Ara grew up together and lived together in this kind of little cheap apartment block, basically. Kyuri and Miho live either across from them or upstairs from them, pretty close anyway. And then Wana is slightly older than them. And she lives, I think, on a different floor. But she sees these girls coming and going. And she is quite fond of them, but kind of from a distance. So she isn't as entwined in their lives as those are, they are with each other's. She doesn't sort of socialise with them. I'm just going to kind of up front give some content warnings for people who are interested in the book. There is some violence. There's a lot of misogyny. There is pregnancy, as you would gather from Wana's storyline. There's also a lot of discussion of miscarriage. And from the point of view of somebody who's had a lot of them and has a lot of feelings about it. So it's quite, I mean, I've never been pregnant or had a miscarriage, but it was quite emotive for me the way that she discussed some of her feelings around miscarriage. So definitely something to keep an eye out if that's something that would be a problem for you. So you get each chapter is from a different point of view and you kind of switch between the four of them. The characters make an immediate impact. They feel really vibrant and alive right from the first page, which is always exciting. I love a strong set of characters. There was no single character where I thought, oh, are we in this person's head again? That's a shame. I was interested in every single one of their stories. One thing, though, is that the chapters are quite long. And you don't get as many rotations through them as you might want. So while there was absolutely no character who I would think, oh, I wish we could have just cut their storyline to make room for the others. I definitely, once I got to the end of the book, I thought, I'm not going to get any more of any of them. That's that's all I see. That doesn't feel like enough. (laughs) Yeah. I almost, it feels like it should be the first in a duology almost, although... I'm not saying that things were left massively up in the air, but there definitely was a sense that we could have spent a lot more time with these characters. I really enjoyed the way that as the story progressed, you got a lot of insights into them and things that surprised you as well. There was a lot that came out that either surprised you from the point of view of, oh, I had not thought that about that character, or, well, this is an interesting direction for their life to take. So to give an example that I think is kind of given away in the blurb anyway, so it doesn't feel like a spoiler. Ara, who is the hairstylist, she's also mute and she seems really sweet and she has to communicate by like writing on a notepad and showing it to people. And Sujin is obviously very protective of her and wants to look after her. 
and she seems like a nice girl and i'm not saying she's not but that line at the end of the blurb that's like driven to violent extremes there's a question mark for me over the way they set that up in the blurb but there's a moment with arrow where you're like holy shit okay you're um a force not to be messed with yeah yeah don't want to get on your bad side and she does allude to this so there's she and sujin and actually miho as well all grew up in the same place as kids and their sujin and miho were orphans so they grew up in the the loring center which is like the orphanage and Arrow makes some reference to the fact that she and Sujin were were bad kids, that they were not as bad as like the kids that were properly in gangs, but they were not good kids. They were like the good bad kids. Right. Okay. But they were they did have some gang involvement. And you find out more about the incident that led to her losing her voice over time, but it does become apparent from pretty early on that it was a violent incident. Okay. Uh, I won't. I won't talk more about that. Not that it's a massive spoiler, but just because it's an interesting thing to to see uncovered as the story progresses and get more information on. There are a lot of characters who your first impression of them gets kind of flipped and sort of turned around as the story progresses. So Kiuri is one who I think at the beginning she seems very vain and self-absorbed. She's had a lot of plastic surgery, which is not unusual at all. And I mean. A lot of them have had some kind of plastic surgery, but she's had loads and works in one of these room salons, which I haven't done enough reading around this to know how comparable they are. But it reminded me the way it's portrayed of the way I've read about Geisha, Mm -hmm. where they kind of basically hang out with these guys and pour drinks for them and they make the guys feel like they're very funny and interesting and it's not necessarily about sleeping with them i think there are some girls that do and some girls that don't and there are some room salons where that's a thing and somewhere it isn't so much but i don't i'm not clear on what the situation is for room salons in general but for curie's experience uh she has this one client who she's got particularly attached to which the more that comes out, the more you start to feel for her. And there's also a situation where, so Sujin really wants to be a room salon girl and therefore wants to get the plastic surgeries that will make her pretty enough to qualify for a place. And Curie seems really off about recommending kind of her plastic surgeon or trying to help Sujin make this happen. And the way... I don't know, there's just something about it at first that made me think, oh, Kiri seems like she just doesn't really want to help anybody else out. But then as time goes on, it starts to become apparent that this is more about looking out for the other girl and kind of not wanting her to get into the same situation that Kiri herself has got into. And I definitely warmed to her a lot over the course of the story. I went from thinking that she was the least personable one to uh, desperately wanting better for her in her life. Yeah. There are a lot of references to... The, the constant jostling for hierarchy and for position and status that goes on. And I really liked the way that it was presented so differently with the different characters, because when we take, for example, Miho, who is the, she's the artist, she's kind of not that fussed about trying to climb, but she has a boyfriend who is very high status and she's desperately conscious of the difference in their relative social positions and desperate not to look like she's trying to get anything from him. 
Whereas Kiri is very much like, um, I'll take whatever I can get. Thank you very much. And honestly, why aren't you making the most of this opportunity? Why don't you get him to do this and that for you and give you this money and get you that position? And, <laughs> um, and then, you know, someone like Ara, who feels like she's been forcibly put on the outside of this by the fact that she doesn't, she literally doesn't have a voice. Yeah which feels so metaphorically resonant with the position that all of these women are in, voiceless in their own lives and in their society. But she is totally obsessed with this K-pop star who she is in love with from a distance. And obviously these guys represent the pinnacle of having made it. They're beautiful and successful and beloved. So I really liked the way that the... That, yeah, those layers of society were navigated by these different characters. And there's a lot of references within the writing to either in an individual situation, how someone will ask a few questions to work out where they can place you and then either immediately disregard you or be like, oh, okay, no, you are worth talking to. Yeah. <laughs> and situations where the various girls either are trying to make out that they're on an even footing with the people around them or trying just not to reveal their actual background because that's going to place them immediately beneath. So it was a really interesting environment, I guess, to be reading about. What was the location like for the book? Did you get a good feel for where the book was set? Yeah, so there weren't a lot of descriptions of the city so in terms of physical sense of setting, I don't think there was a massive sense of that. There were a lot of individual places that were described as they were important, but I wouldn't say that I felt like, oh, I was getting a really good idea of what it's like to walk around Seoul. But definitely in terms of, I, I feel like the emotional landscape of living there was really well portrayed. Yeah. And the kind of concerns that at least these characters in this situation were having to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It felt like that was really thoroughly explored. And there were elements of... It was really interesting, the, the kind of casual descriptions of the places they would go to eat or the types of food that were available, which were obviously very different to the kinds of food that we would eat or the kind of places that we like typically would go out to if we were in a time and where going out to anywhere was possible. So yeah, I think it had a strong sense of setting and that was definitely fun. Yeah. So I know that you said that obviously the book ends in a really satisfying way and you were really happy in the way it was handled, but is there one of the female stories you wish was longer or had been expanded, like it had its own book? Mm. Um, and if so, which one would you want the most? Yeah, see, okay, that is really tricky because although, to clarify, I was satisfied with the resolution for the most part, but there definitely were a lot of things where I thought we could have seen more about the consequences of that or the results of that. Of all of them, it felt like Kiyori's arc was the most complete by the end. So she, I would rule her out in terms of feeling like she needed, I, I still want to know what would happen next for her but I feel like we kind of have a sense of the direction she's going in so it's not like there's a question mark there I just would be up for learning more 
in terms of part of me wants to know wants to see the story from Sujin's point of view because she's in so many of the other storylines mm-hmm. well she's mostly in Ara and Kiori's storyline because she's best friends with Ara and kind of tries to take care of her and she's trying to get into room salons via Kiori so she shows up a lot in those two but but we never hear from her point of view anything yeah and there were a couple of things that came out about her towards the end where I was like oh wow that's really interesting how have we what why could we not know more about you <laughs> like a spin-off yeah a spin-off book if I had your face 1.5 the <laughs> Sujin story Especially because, okay, I'm going to come back to your original question, but so Sujin is fascinating because she really seems like she's at like this proto stage where she could kind of go either way. She hasn't, as we open the book, she hasn't yet had dramatic plastic surgery. And it really seems like she wants it purely so that she can get into this business. It's not because she's inherently dissatisfied with her face, except in the sense that she's like, it's going to hold me back. And I would just love to explore that mindset more because mm-hmm. it seems like a very unique thing. It's kind of like a combination of the the social pressure to look a certain way, but with this very explicit awareness that there are careers that I know for a fact will open for me if I get the shape of my face dramatically altered. Yeah. I know, that's just so interesting. And I, I just so wanted her to be okay yeah yeah because she seems really lovely most of them the more you get to know them seem pretty like good-hearted even if they're conflicted and they've got stuff going on in their lives they all seem like people who i would be interested in knowing to back up a bit to the i i think if i was going to pick one person who i'm madly keen to see their storyline extended it might be miho she has a pretty dramatic event happen that kind of causes her to be like, okay, well, then I'm going to behave like X now. But then we didn't get to see that happen. Oh, I was like, oh, that would be so interesting. I so want to know what this looks like. Miho in this other mode being like, this this is what I got to do. So yeah, but then also Warner is an interesting one. So her, she's the one who's pregnant, slightly older, lives downstairs, and she has a very separate storyline to the other three because she mostly just, she watches them coming and going late at night. She kind of wishes that she could be one of them, which is so interesting because obviously when you're in the other's heads, you know how miserable they are a lot of the time yeah. and how much they're struggling with. But she sees them as these carefree girls who are always giggling with each other and it's like, they're just trying to laugh through the pain, Wana. <laughs> You're not missing all that much. The grass really isn't that green. Yeah, but she has such an interesting life, such an interesting setup where so she's pregnant and she's convinced that she's going to lose the baby because she's lost so many previously. And she's got this husband who she doesn't seem to like all that much. She had a really unhappy childhood. And oh yeah, no, I made a note of this page for this quote. Right. So she talks about the fact that she grew up with her grandmother and you get the sense from the way she talks about her right off the bat that her grandmother was desperately unkind to her she grew up in an abusive situation 
And then she married somebody basically because he didn't seem to have a lot of family. And so that seemed like a safe bet. Like, well, at least I don't have another grandmother situation. He doesn't have family to abuse me the way my family abused me. Yeah. And there's this quote that she says, it's like two pages into her first chapter. But I grew up not knowing the difference between a bearable life and an unbearable life. And by the time I discovered there was such a thing, it was too late. Oh. I know. She needs a good hug. They all do. <laughs> so, yeah, then she does She does eventually interact with the other girls after some crap goes down in her life too. <laughs> and I would be interested to see how, how she was going to progress and how her life was going to go at the end of this story. Because she has this sort of slightly unstable work situation with an employer who is like, well, I hope you don't expect any maternity leave if you're pregnant because we can't afford it. So you just wouldn't be able to work here. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Well done, manager. Well done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Justice um, to that manager for being such a stand up <laughs> member of society. Round of applause. Manager of the year. Gold star. Girl manager star. of the year goes to Wanna's terrible manager. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> so there are several questions for me around what is she going to do? How is she going to cope? How are any of them going to cope? Joe, I don't know how they're going to cope. You just wanted to go and give them hugs the whole duration of this book. You've got it I in your eyes. It's did. screaming at me. It's like, my heart broke. <laughs> yeah. But there are also, there are a lot of very funny moments in the book. Yeah. And... It's so interesting how that because they're so different, particularly the three young girls, younger girls, they're not that young, who are interacting with each other a lot and looking at each other with just bewilderment. Like, why does she make the choices she makes? And then the other one's looking back like, why does she behave the way she behaves? I'm so confused. <laughs> but there is this real sense of, of sisterhood and them wanting to take care of each other and not always knowing how. There's one great bit where, so Ara doesn't like visiting her home and hasn't visited her parents in a long time and at one point she decides to make the trip home and she basically does this to give Sujin a distraction because Sujin is going through a tough time so Ara's like oh Sujin you have to come home with me because I don't want to face my parents on my own so then Sujin feels like she's doing Ara this big favour and it's giving her a distraction from what's going on in her life. And Ara is entirely like, I don't want to go home, but I need something to take Sujin's mind off things. Aww. And it's just so cute. I would have uh, really liked to have seen your emotional roller coaster while reading this book. I feel like that would have been really entertaining. You know, like, mm. like, like a live webcam reaction to... Yeah. You would have seen a lot of furrowed brows of concern. <laughs> Aww. interspersed with amusement at the situations that they got themselves into. One other thing which is part good, part bad. So Miho, as is referenced in the blurb, she had this scholarship to New York. So a lot of Miho's chapters are concerned with what she got up to in New York, which made, I know it shouldn't have been confusing because obviously when they were talking about New York, they were talking about a time in the past and then she would go back to talking about what she's up to now. But partly because her boyfriend now, Hanbin, she knew in New York as well. So sometimes she was talking about parties that she went to where Hanbin was also there and I'm like, is that happening now or is that back in New York? And that was slightly confusing. There was this, it, it was really interesting the, the yeah. situation and the the storyline 
about her in New York. I think the other thing that confused me a bit was that she was obviously hanging out with Koreans in New York because they, they she had the exact same situation where people were trying to work out where to place her in the sort of hierarchy of worth talking to, not worth talking to. So I kept, when she was talking about, oh, this is just what it's like, you know, talking to talking to people and being immediately judged, I kept placing her back in Seoul yeah. when actually this was happening in New York, but just with a group of people who have the exact same thought process, which is fine, but it just, it did confuse me slightly. Yeah. I will say, though, the situation that she had in New York, in some ways, the way that story played out was really interesting. I, I was definitely invested in getting more information and figure, like putting the pieces together. I feel like we weren't given as many pieces as I would have liked. Okay. Some of the nuances of that situation, I feel like, got a bit lost. And this, I think, is a slightly all-encompassing issue with this book. It had so many interesting things and storylines and ideas that it was exploring and it just didn't end up having the space to explore them all thoroughly. So while I, I don't feel like we were left on a cliffhanger by any stretch of the imagination, there were definitely a lot of things where I would have liked to see a more thorough exploration, whether it's, okay, but once so-and-so did that, what were the consequences of that? Yeah. What, what What's going to happen to them or because of them next? Unclear. <laughs> and there were quite a few situations like that where things felt like they were going to be a bigger deal, but there just wasn't time or space in the narrative to go into any more depth. So we just had to move on. Some of the characters were left in a place where I thought like, yeah, that's fine. I'm clear on how they're going to be now. But there were a few where I thought, I just don't know. And that was a little bit, I don't know, almost frustrating. Yeah. I, I also, from the sounds of it, the book, I can't remember what, I'm trying to think of the book that we had and I think we both read it and we found that they started to deal with a lot of different threads and then instead of like dealing with them, they just sort of placed them down and while that's, you can accept them, it's also then you sit there late at night and think, what, what would have happened if like mm. they'd actually done that? And I feel yeah. like this book's going to end up doing probably that quite a lot to you now, now that you've read it and you found it so interesting. You're going to be thinking, well, actually, what are the consequences of situation A happening? And I wonder what's happening with situation C and God knows what situation B's doing right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's one of those things where it's partially a credit to the author because the characters feel so real and I got so invested in them that I, I would kill for a book two but it wasn't designed to be book one of two yeah it was written as a standalone i don't think the author has any intention of coming back to it as far as i know just write it for laura please or just please. like send over your ideas of what you would have liked just so that laura can bullet sleep. points i'd be happy with some bullet points yeah yeah i think i've addressed all of the major points that i was gonna go i know you asked questions as you went was there anything else that you wanted to ask about before i go into wrap up no because i was my last question was is there a justice award and it just sounds like they all need justice mm -hmm. so i feel like you sort of answered it as you went along so i'm chill okay so oh, I've been all over the map with trying to work out what my seashell rating was going to be honestly I'm still struggling with it I feel like we've backed ourselves into a bit of a corner with our seashell rating because we tried to come up with like a format for the island like this is what we're going to rate it against and it's so hard some books just don't fit into like the categories <laughs> we've placed for ourselves yeah. so knowing some of the topics in this book I'm like <laughs> I'm intrigued to know where you've landed yeah without obviously meaning to repeat myself too much. I will say I fell completely into this book. I enjoyed every minute of reading it. 
there were some challenging things that it addressed, but I thought it did so beautifully. And I think maybe I haven't talked much about the fact that, you know, it's dealing with these really difficult situations and it's not like the characters are breezing through it. You know, they're having a hard time, but they are also, to them, this is just life, right? So they take it as just the way things are and they make the best of it. There were so many things I loved about the book, but the lack of resolution for certain elements of it is a niggling frustration that only grows. Every time I go back to think about things I loved, there's a part of me that's like, and why couldn't we find out more about that? And this is not a massively long book. So my feeling is, could have been longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get a book that's like really chunky and you think, I would have liked to see more of X, but it wouldn't have fit. Well, it, it would have fit. It would have yeah. fit. <laughs> yeah. So with that in mind, I still feel conflicted over it. I'm going to give it three and a half, which is in between I liked it and I really liked it. Because there were parts that were like five shell great. And then I just didn't get a sense of that carrying through. And that was so frustrating that it's taken me down to down to a three and a half. It could almost have been a four shells. But yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, it's tough, though. I will say I, I am interested in reading it, though. So that's a win. I would 100% recommend it. As frustrated as I am that we didn't get more, there were resolutions. It didn't feel like it was left in the middle of nowhere. And I just think it's such an interesting book that it's well worth a read, even if it is going to have you going, but what is going to happen? <laughs> Which neatly brings me to the all important question of, would you take it to the island? Oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. You I wouldn't. wouldn't. You look quite torn by this decision, though. I'm still tempted. I know I'm going to read it again, probably more than once. This is one that I'm definitely going to come back to. Maybe I just have to write fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if anybody else has. Yeah. This is this is not a book that I would want to leave behind, but I just can't justify kicking out another book. But it's you can see by the look on my face that I don't feel good about this. Yeah, you do look quite pained, to be fair. Just, just so that other people know what your face looks like right now. Pretty but pained. <laughs> is this the author's debut? Or is yes, it? Yeah. it is. I think she might have written some short stories or something. She's written other stuff, like articles and things, but this is her first novel. Okay. Would you read more from this author? In a heartbeat, yeah. Yeah. I think whatever she writes next will be an auto-buy for me. So. Mm. So we move over to Four Days of You and Me, which is going to be a roller coaster ride. So Four Days of You and Me is by Miranda Kennelly, and as I mentioned right at the beginning, is a YA contemporary romance book. I'm just going to kick it off with my pitch and then we can dive straight into the pages. Yes, please. Being a teenager is hard and it can be even harder when you enter into a complicated relationship with Alex Ruvelis, a popular baseball player and the boy Lulu cannot stop gravitating towards. From New York to London, from science museums to roller coasters, Lulu realises love is messy and doesn't always make sense and that sometimes you can learn not to make a mistake and then make it anyway. Oh, <laughs> so we meet Lulu. I'm going to have to jump around a little bit just because I think it makes sense. So the pacing of this book and the way this book is laid out is not a conventional let's get from point A to point B. And it's not even one of those where every other chapter is a flashback because we cover four years. But not only that, we go back in time 
between those two chapters. So we have, we'll be in present day of the first year and then go in the past of before that, this day, in that year. And then, you know, we'll live that out and we might return to that that present day in the first year and then the next chapter we're in second year, present day. Then the next chapter will be in year two, in the past. So you sort of get snippets of what's happened between Lulu and Alex throughout this book in both the present day that we're living through and Lulu retelling sort of us the past that's happened to fill in the gaps. So it's not a chronological story. So my initial like plot outline is a little bit is narrow because it's hard to cover everything. But when we first meet Louise, that's her real name, but she goes by Lulu. She is the school's garden girl. And that's what everyone refers her to. She is, it doesn't really state whether she's uncool, but she's definitely not popular. Uh, She's a vegan and she really wants to create a garden in some free space in the school. Not just for her though, but for the other students at the school to better their like eating habits and just the food that's generally in their cafeteria. Alex, the popular baseball player, who obviously we end up in a complicated relationship with later on in the book, (laughs) has just won school class council. So he says to her, if she can collect enough signatures that show that other people want this and it's not just her, he'll take it to the council, like the school council, and he'll see what he can do. So she does this, she goes and collects other signatures and she finds out that the whole time there was going to be a new batting cage for the baseball team going to be placed in this space that she's sort of found. She's furious, obviously. And she decides to get her own revenge on the situation by locking the batting cage and throwing away the key <laughs> which then it caused her to get a detention and it possibly risks the school standings in baseball because i think it's it's what they're known for like the team's like a big thing obviously the book's set in america so sport plays a big deal in american schools and i think this school is predominantly known for being baseball heavy mm-hmm. so in the present day in their first school year they go to a science museum and the two of them get locked in an escape room that they have to try and navigate and get out of. At the end... I'm waggling my eyebrows. They just hug at the end uh, once they make it out, but all their classmates see and they sort of wiggle their eyebrows and raise their eyebrows. And basically (laughs) then rumours go around that Lulu has slept with Alex in the escape room. You know, like typical teenage stuff, like they've made out, or do you know the usual stuff? But eventually Alex later finds her and they do have their first kiss and soon begin a relationship. So over the course of these four years, we see a lot of Alex and Lulu together. We see that they navigate a normal, in my opinion, teenage romance. And because of the pacing of this book and the way it's laid out, I found it super refreshing because of the fact that we didn't see them, you know, in this escape route. Like we saw the bit where Lulu locks the batting cage and you think, what are you doing? Like you've gone full demolition here. What are you doing? (laughs) And then we see her like fall in love with him or like, like, oh, does he like me? Is he flirting with me? Are we still like enemies? And then they like are in this escape room together and then they come out and she's like, oh my God, he kept hugging me. Do you know what I mean? All of that sort of stuff. But we also get to miss out then the chunks of, you know, the text messaging, the the lovey dovey (laughs) stuff because of the way it's laid out. And I went through... When did you first know you like me? When did you first know you like me? Yeah, you know that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I do love it in a good YA book. 
my favorite thing about it is that we get to skip some of those niceties that's in that relationship and we do get to see more of the problems and we get to see them behaving like normal teenagers so it's not you know like all sunshine and roses or someone makes a mistake and then they quickly make up like we mm. actually get to see their their makeups and their breakups and it's it's quite emotive the way in my opinion the way it's done and I know I am probably one of the very few that have enjoyed this aspect of the book because I went through some of the reviews and a lot of people have an issue with this pacing and the way it was laid out. And I think they were kind of going into this book expecting to be swept off their feet. Maybe have, you know, the usual breakup that you expect around the three quarter mark mm-hmm. and then know that it's all gonna... This book plays around with that dynamic massively and it kept me on my toes. And I really liked that. I liked that it broke up that kind of expectation we've normally got and gave us something really real okay because every time we pick them up i feel like their developed feelings were so over the map so at some points they were like enemies then they were like kissing and then they were like broken up and they hated each other but actually they're still in love with each other and then the next time we meet them they're madly in love again and then you're like (laughs) what's going off but i actually liked that because it just felt really different another complaint that people had which i absolutely freaking loved was that (laughs) (laughs) people kept sort of bashing them for how teenage like they are they have also said that very toxic now i i have an issue with the phrasing of that word because yes they're codependent they're awful at communication they're often hostile and very jealous when they were split up however teenagers are every emotion is all over the map like my chemical romance was my teenage jams because i was just Mm -hmm. so emo i was so emotional and I just, when I was reading this, I just kept thinking back to like my 14, 15 year old self thinking, God, I did not make some good choices there. Or more so, I didn't really handle this particular emotion really well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this book highlights that. And so in the second year, they go to a theme park and then they're not together. We don't actually know why they've split up initially. We learn that over the flashbacks. Okay. But they're there and Alex is sort of looks like he's flirting with this girl called Marcy. And Lulu's like, I'm so not bothered by it. I'm so not bothered. But inside she's like, I can't believe he's moved on so quickly. And to Marcy of all people. Yeah, you know, and this this other woman is obviously the biggest hoe that's ever existed. Even though she's not, she's a, she's a lovely girl. And actually, that's another thing that's one of my favourites. Even the background characters get developed over the years, so they actually all grow up maturely, which oh, I thought was cool. really, really interesting because Lulu actually becomes friends with Marcy later on. Well, she's in her friendship group by like the fourth year, which I thought was really interesting, and I was like a massive cheer for, from me for that one. But anyway, so they're at this, they're at the theme park, and he's so hung up on her and she's so hung up on him yet neither of them are willing to admit it and then she tries to approach him and she's like well well you're here with marcy and he's like you broke up with me like (laughs) you don't get to kick off and yet they're still not really talking about the actual issues and what they had with each other and i'm like this is so teenage romance yeah i don't know why people have an issue with this because either you just don't like that your warts being on show or you all just want to not admit that not calling out all the reviewers on Goodreads, but I was like <laughs> fuming. I wanted to reply and be like, look, can you honestly say as a teenager, you're a saint? Because I know I wasn't. It's one of those things, isn't it? Where, you know, yes, I think it's important for people to make an effort to show healthy relationships in YA fiction, but they don't all have to be because not all teenage relationships are. No. And the thing is, is that what's lovely about this is the reason they broke up was because, yes, 
they were jealous and Lulu was upset because she found out that he'd gone camping with his friends and that there were girls there and she was obviously she she'd hardwired that situation that you know she's not worthy of him he's gonna cheat on her so she breaks up with him it's not even a big dramatic breakup they just break up Mm. and basically they don't actually improve that level of communication until right at the end of the book and it is a development they're still kids then they still have to learn how to navigate those adult-like relationships because obviously everything at that age is just so magnified and everything is so emotional and it's like well he didn't text me back straight away obviously something's wrong and it's like sometimes just life just happens and the thing Mm. is is Alex has sort of been expected to grow up very quickly that he works in his family's restaurant so his social life is baseball, working, and then after midnight, getting a chance to see Lulu and sneaking into her house. And she's like, wants more, which is also fair for her to yeah. want more. But the way that they both discuss this situation is probably not very healthy, but they're also teenagers who don't know how to articulate what they actually want from each other. So it's just, it's a really interesting book that plays with the relationship that can mean the world to you at that age. And we're sort of left in a satisfying way at the end. But obviously, I don't want to ruin the end of the book. There's a lot of things that play into it that I'm just going to mainly hash around the first and second year, just because I think the development of the characters is is really interesting over the third and fourth year. And they still continue to make mistakes and they still don't really learn from the main issues they had in the first and second year. But also, they're teenagers, so they're not really going to. I think they need to probably make those mistakes quite a few times before, you know you get a grip of actually what's wrong because at that age as well and what was really interesting is that neither of them could see that they were both in the wrong yeah which was just really interesting for me I just kept laughing (laughs) while I have talked about some of the things that was really really good there were some things that did niggle me a little bit I didn't completely feel that Lulu was fleshed out and I'm unsure whether I minded this or not because I do like having a strong sense of backstory and then maybe not having a a firm thumbprint on who the character is because I'm really happy to create my own mental image of a character and I'm really happy uh, if I've just been given some bones however I think in this book it would have been really nice to actually see some of her development and see who she was and who she then becomes because I think that's really what this book is, is is playing around with it's do these relationships matter over these years and is it worth sticking with and are the choices that we make at that age are they going to be following us into adulthood so the fact that we got told a lot about Lulu rather than shown actually became a little bit of its own worst enemy so we've got Mm -hmm. told that she really likes dancing but yeah she doesn't really dance in the book We get a strong sense that she's a vegan and that she doesn't want to hurt animals, but it only really comes up. It it doesn't seem like it's part of who she is and it's not her like logical choice. It just comes up when it's convenient around food and it's a way of Alex showing that he's thought of her. So when like they go to the theme park or something, he's like, oh yeah, I know this really great place that does vegan food. I researched this beforehand and it's more about him than it is about her. And it kind of just felt like without him, she wasn't really anything at certain points which she had this great arc of being a a writer, but she also, it's like a graphic novel, graphic novelist. And she come up with this whole novel that she's actually writing and editing and playing around with over the whole four years. And that, that was barely touched on. Like it was such a huge part of who she is. And yet it only came up when it was convenient in her conversations with Alex. 
and it wasn't something that she kept having in her head and because we were following her and we were with her it was difficult to understand where I was being told something and shown something and if there was any difference in that and annoyingly it did bother me a lot at the beginning and I did really really struggle with the opening first two chapters of this book because I was like I don't think I'm going to like this style because I was constantly being told something and not shown it however upon the introduction to Alex it's the book sort of hits its flow but then when I've come back to reflect on it I'm not then 100% sure if we ever really got a Lulu and an Alex or if we got Lulu and Alex right at the same time if you're after a really groundbreaking transformation relationship in this young adult book this book is not for you I wouldn't even (laughs) because it's not I feel when you said one day earlier the brilliant thing about one day was that the the characters in that book shone on their own and shone Mm. when they were together you could tell that they were sort of better together than they were apart but they still were humans on their own yeah and this book lacks that. I wouldn't say it's like a, an imitation of One Day, but it's sort of, I don't know this for a fact, that like it's just my assumption, but it seems the author really liked One Day and took some inspiration from that sort of setup. However, chose not to execute it in the same way. And it actually became the thing that kind of bothered me the most because I kind of wanted to go into this expecting a one day experience of seeing mm-hmm. these two people that would fall together and then fall apart. We also get, in the third year, we get a really odd sense of who Lulu is. And she sort of emotionally cheats on her current boyfriend because she's still really hung up on Alex, which again, I'm not like shaming her for because again, teenager, we do it. I'm not annoyed at her character arc. However, it was so different. It was so different from her standings in the other chapters that it was sort of like, okay, in this sense now, your pacing of the book has caused this sort of disconnect from your character. So it's just something to be mindful of when you're going into this, that you might feel a little bit all over the map. But it does come together in a really nice way by the ending. And I was really satisfied with where both Lulu and Alex were at the end. But it's not a, it's not an easy, comfortable ride. And I wouldn't say it's comparable to some of the other great YA contemporary romances out there that follow a normal plotting arc. It is a little bit all over the, the shop and it is messy. And I, I want to believe that that was intentional and it was meant to keep us on our toes a little bit and, you know, walking into the unexpected all the time because that's the way I took from it when I walked away from it. I thought, okay, relationships at this age are messy. Relationships in general are messy. But at this age with hormones and heightened sense of emotions, like literally everything is just the most dramatic thing ever. And I'm like, mm. Lulu, wait till you're paying for a mortgage, my friend. <laughs> But because of that, I kind of want to forgive the author. I want to go like, this was a purposeful decision that you've made. And I liked it. Mm. I just felt like sometimes the character of just Lulu, the rest, I don't have a bad thing to say about them. But Lulu, I just felt was a little bit all over the map. But I think that's the price you're going to pay for this sort of narrative. However, if you really want an easy and highly accurate showing the bad parts and all the warts of a teenage romance I think you'll really enjoy this book I think you're either got to be a teenager and in that or you've got to be sort of an adult which I I cringe at saying because I'm not bothered about my age I'm 28 but now reading it and looking back I'm like oh god was I one of the I was a Lulu and a half when I was a teenager (laughs) and I really liked that about it I liked that it sort of was problematic and you could you could judge the characters because you do you you judge your former former self and you can judge these characters and you can go like what are you doing the main character in it in a YA contemporary romance doesn't always have to be some broken mess of a person she was never at any point a mess she was just messy 
she was just a bit all over the shop but you know she wasn't a hard-faced person who struggled to love she also wasn't the ugly girl that became you know the most popular girl in school when you took her glasses off yeah when she took her glasses off she was she was like a 10 out of 10 yeah just suddenly (laughs) (laughs) she wasn't any of those things so it's like at the same time we have really got a transformative YA lead character here and yes she does things you might judge her for but I think that's okay to do so because again this age group that we're dealing with cannot be perfect and I liked Mm. that this book was the way it was have you got any questions so far before I just do my little wrap up so I do have a couple of questions one I know you said that you you liked pacing and thought that it worked well which is good if you mostly saw the problems did you personally feel like you saw enough of the nice bits of their relationships to want them to be together and to be rooting for their relationship yeah, definitely. I feel like when you're in the present, you see the care and the love that they have for each other. And you see it in the moments that you wouldn't expect. I think especially when they go to, I think it's the third year, and they go mm-hmm. to New York, and they're going around the museums. And he, well, he chooses not to go to the, the baseball ground where they're going to, because he, he says it's because he doesn't support the team, but he actually wants to go and hang out with the group of friends that he knows from Lulu. Oh, and it's, it could be, you know, some people could see that's quite stalkerish, but I actually really liked it because he was doing it in a really authentic way. Yeah. And you see in those moments that, you know, I think she drops her, she leaves her, I want to say it's her iPad or something. She, whatever she draws her graphic novel on, she leaves it on the bus and she realizes the moment they've got off and he runs back after, doesn't even think, doesn't even stop to consider that. It almost breaks his arm because like a car hits him but he just that's not even something that concerns him and even for her her initial concern was not the fact that her graphic tablet has just smashed it's him and it's those little moments it's those little insights into their heads that you can see that they do really care about the well-being of the other person i just don't think it's communicated that well because i don't think when you're that age which again credit to the author you don't realize those things are being done unless you're told them Mm. you don't necessarily like now like your husband often just brings you a drink in in the middle of us recording yeah it's not even something he thinks about he just thinks i know she's not had a drink in a while and you go thanks but as an adult when you you, when you lay in bed and you think god i really love this person you think i can't believe they bring me a drink every week but when you're a teenager you're like why is he snoring so much (laughs) you forget all those little things because your brain just doesn't articulate them as niceties appreciate that those little gestures of care are the things that make a relationship yes at the end of the day at that age it's not it's the big things isn't it it's the big big gesture the big romantic you want the flowers you want the big prom asking out do you know what i mean you want the time when actually you know the fact that he rings her most nights or texts her as soon as he finishes work is a huge thing especially if he's been at school he's gone and practiced baseball and then he's gone and worked until midnight it's those little things so i did feel like you got enough but i do think you've also got to make up your own mind as you're reading it to want to see those see those parts of that relationship and Mm -hmm. i think if you go into it thinking this isn't a healthy relationship you're going to miss those bits Okay. Okay. Then the other thing that I was wondering, just because I was so intrigued when you said that, like that, you see the other characters, like the secondary characters, the supporting characters around them, you see them grow up. Was there a background or supporting character who who you particularly liked, either because of their arc or because of the role that they came to play in the story, or just as a character? There are, and the problem is, is I don't want to say too much because in the first two years, they're not really there so much. Okay. But they grow a lot more in the background. And there's definitely, I'll just allude to them. But Lulu's best friend is 
is a boy and he's recently come out to his parents and he's having a really difficult school time now he stays pretty consistent he grows up as he's already had he's not already had his big moment but he's had his big change in himself Mm -hmm. when he's accepted this is who i am I'm not going to change and I've come out to my parents. But there's another character that sort of floats around him and circles him who we see a lot more in the second year and then becomes a huger part in the third and fourth year. And I think his presence really has a good effect on Lulu's best friend, but also the friendship group and his dynamic and how he comes to realise his own feelings as well. It's just really, really nice. And again, like with Marcy, we hated her second year. We absolutely hated her. How dare she stand with Alex? But in the fourth year, she's the voice of reason to Lulu going, you really should have done this. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she's really casual about it. And I really, really liked that. I thought that was just really nice and really clever to bring those characters back to show that the enemies that we sort of make who are hanging out with our ex-boyfriends aren't actually the enemy. And I thought that was a really nice gesture from the author mm. to, to bring that character and make her a little bit more in the forefront. Cool. Wow, sounds interesting. And I'm definitely intrigued to know what your seashell rating might be. So I had a real struggle with seashell rating this this week. So I sort of Mm. broke it down to the things that I understood about what I liked about the book and the things that I um, I probably didn't. So I really liked the characters and I felt like I got a lot from them. So I sort of gave in my enjoyment level, I I sort of gave them a four out of five initially. And then when I... No, no, I'm going to... We're not having these no i'm gonna give my overall one don't worry all right okay i I initially gave it a four and then i was like look lulu's development was it was quite bad so i've knocked that down and then i I gave the plot a score and then i gave the overall writing style a score and then i I landed on a 3.75 out of five (laughs) (laughs) i think this is our first quarter quarter shell and I was literally, it was the only one I was satisfied with. As soon as I yeah. put 3.5, walked away, I was like, no, it should be a four. And then I was like, no, that's too generous. I need to go back down. And I just couldn't. So I've just gone smack in the middle because I did really like it. But there were bits of it that I was like, look, this could have been hashed out a little bit more. And uh, just something to note, this isn't an author's debut. She's quite prolific in the okay. YA community. And she has written quite a few other books that I've had a look at. I looked at the reviews and they're a lot more um, of a higher average than this book. I think this book has really divided people because of the way it's laid out. But yeah, I landed on a 3.75 and it's the one I felt most comfortable with. I definitely think it's a guilty pleasure book and a read I'm definitely going to pick up again on a bad day. So would you take it to the Island Library? No. Now, it's one of those, it's exactly what you've just been talking about, which is why I started smirking once you'd finished your discussion, because yeah, I'm definitely going to pick it up. Definitely going to read it again on a bad day. However, I don't think it's it's done enough to kick off one of the other YA t- contemporary books or any of the other books I've already got on the shelf. I think that was the big thing. Like, I definitely would want it like shipped out to me so I could read it, but I would know that it would have to go back on the same ship. So I'd probably only get it for like 10 minutes. And I definitely think I'm going to be able to pick this book up, just pick a year, read it and be really satisfied with, mm-hmm. you know, that day and then just put it back down. And if you're just after some real fluffy but human YA romance that's a bit messy, this book is going to be perfect. And it's just, it does have a feel good factor. And I will say that I read this book in two days. I was just so invested in what was going off that I just needed to continue. But yeah, that that was four days of you and me. It was a, I did really, really like it. It's just got some problems that I wish had just been handled a little bit better. I had a nice week. It sounds interesting. Yeah, I think both the books this week are very similar in... we There was things we wanted, but the core aspects of it we enjoyed. Yeah. And I think it's been a while since we've had that. 
I also, I'm, I also questioned to myself, and I don't know if you've done this, but I was like, am I just being too harsh because I filled my shelf? Would I have taken this? And I think I would have taken this if I had space. If I had an empty space on the shelf, I probably would have taken this. Yeah. But it's inevitable. The whole mechanic that we've set up does mean, and you know, our ratings, we try to do our ratings, like our shell ratings, in isolation of the other books, not comparing them. But when it comes to whether or not it's coming to the library on the island, we have to compare it against the books we've already got. Yeah. But yeah, that was this week's books, mm. which obviously leads us to everyone's favourite time of the week. Of course. Joe's random question of the week. Beautiful. I feel like I really held that note really well this week. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed it. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to hash out some of these get to know your best friend questions, which I found, which I thought was really interesting. So there's some really light, easy ones, which will help our lovely listeners get to know us a little bit better. And there's also some that I think we might sit on for a second or two. Okay. So the first one, do you like spicy food? I don't not like spicy food, but I don't have masses of spicy food tolerance so it can it can quite quickly become too much so i love spicy food but it's like a level of spice like i'm not i'm not here to have my intestines burnt but i i like a good kick i want to be kicked in the throat but not in the stomach by my food that's fair yeah that's my level of spice tolerance i don't know what that relates to in terms of chilies (laughs) (laughs) i like i like it when spicy is not the only flavor yeah yeah, I wanted to have a bit of like a, a dance with me. little <laughs> salsa with the spice. Yeah. <laughs> um, next question. Have you ever met someone famous? I have. Not like, I've not run into someone famous out and about, but I have spoken to Ewan McGregor. That is very exciting. Very exciting. I actually know whether you have or not because haven't you got a picture with ben barnes i'm I'm not making that up am i no no i do have a picture of ben barnes yes i do i met i met him at london film and comic con Mm. not last year the year before before obviously the craziness of lockdown (laughs) of course uh, I think it was just before he got announced as playing the Darkling the in Darkling, Shadow and Bone. Yeah. I think it was just before he was announced, which was Ooh. really exciting. Which he alluded to the fact that he had gotten a, a large part. And I was just there like, I, I couldn't expand on anything that he was saying because my brain was just not in gear because I had a, I've had a huge crush on him since he was basically Prince Caspian. So <laughs> I was just like, you you speak to me? I don't know words. <laughs> but yeah, I met I met him. Do you keep a diary or a journal? Sort of. I have my my bullet journal and I do like a line a day, which is actually two lines because I'm not good at being concise in case you hadn't noticed from this podcast. (laughs) How about you? I try and do this mindfulness one and that's been more of a this year thing. Definitely just trying. I want to see if I can pick up on any routines or not routines, habits that I do that lead towards me like not feeling good. But no, I'm really bad at um, journaling or keeping a diary. Do you prefer to use a pen or a pencil? Depends what for. I think if you were to be on the island, you could only have a pen or a pencil. Which one are you going to go for? Obviously, you've got paper. I will say you've got paper. You've not just got a pen or a pencil. (laughs) Okay, so I prefer writing with a pen. I don't really like writing with a pencil because it annoys me how the sharpness changes. So you're not, it's not a consistent writing experience. I've got to have a balanced pen and I've got to be able to put it on my finger and it balance, be like a line. If it's balanced more than one way, then I would rather have a pencil because at least pencil's balanced, but it's more to do with the balance than the actual writing. 
Okay. You you would know if you pick up a heavy pen and if it's like heavy at the top, then like I get really bad RSI. Mm-hmm. So like the balance of the pen really, really tends to affect that. So I've used the same fountain pen since I was in secondary school and it is super, super light. And I, it's funny. I know what you mean. I like it because it's so light. So it doesn't tire you out when you're writing with it. Yeah. What is your star sign? I'm a cancer. Crab crabs. I mainly wanted to ask this question because we were meant to have crabs like on the initial logo and yeah. I just could not and then find it was crabs. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, no, it just didn't make visually. sense. Visually. <laughs> because then I was like, do I put glasses on? But then we couldn't really differentiate because we both wear glasses. At the same time, we both had brown hair. Like now we've got different coloured hair. So it would be okay. We could have had a blue crab time. and an orange crab. Yeah. Now. Now, now we could. Maybe I'll do a fun one for Christmas with Santa. <laughs> do you like your cereal crunchy or soggy? Crunchy. Oh no. <laughs> what? I don't. Okay. This might be because I don't eat a lot of cereal and the only kind of cereal I eat is like Cocoa Pops. Okay. But I can't have my Cocoa Pops crunchy. They've got to be like a little bit. Because you've got milk's got to be like chocolatey. So you've got to leave them to sit a bit. Mm. See, with Cocoa Pops, I don't mind when the ones underneath have gone soggy, but I don't want them all to be soggy. I want that. I want the texture differentiation basically so for me the texture's got to be consistent crazy this is crazy okay i don't mind if on the plate there are different textures but i can't say be eating like some mashed potato and the consistency changes okay weird bits in food i don't like so i get you on that like if i've got mashed potato it should be a consistent thing all the way through it's got to be that when I eat it, the texture is, is what my brain expects it to be. And then this is my this is my thoughtful question. Okay. What do you want your legacy to be? Ooh. Mmm. I want, this is all I want. This is this is my big dream, okay? Mm-hmm. Is obviously I want to be an author. Because mm. I am a writer. But I want to be a published author. Whatever that means in the grand scheme of the world. And I want that book to have been loved by at least one person. And I'm not just saying like liked... I mean, I want that to be their comfort book. Mm. I don't mind who it is. I just want one of my books, or if not, at least every book that I write have one person who finds a great deal of comfort from it. And that's all I want. I want to leave this earth knowing that the things that I've written have impacted somebody. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I want to have been helpful. (laughs) I want there to be people who feel like they have achieved things that they might not otherwise have some of the work that I really love doing is as a developmental editor to newer authors and seeing them with support and help go from not feeling like they can write a single chapter to having a full first draft is just so exciting so yeah I I want that that to be my legacy I think people who have achieved something that they didn't think that they could with my help that's lovely I love that and that was Joe's random question of the week well it was five questions six <laughs> seven random questions, questions. Right, yeah yeah Joe's random questions <laughs> of the podcast episode <laughs> so next week is a exciting episode because mm. next week what are we reading, Laura? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe next week we have a theme, and that theme is feminist or activist literature. Yes. 
So what have you gone for? I have got Bad Feminist by Roxanne Gay, which is a collection of essays written by Roxanne over the spread of her life, I believe, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. What about yourself? So I'm actually torn between two. Ooh. Hood Feminism by Nikki Kendall or Men Explained Things to Me and Other Essays by Rebecca Solnit. Oh, both of them sound good. If you have if you have a way you're leaning, let me know. But otherwise, I'm just torn. <laughs> um, I don't know. I might have to... I'll have to read a little bit about both of them and then I'll get back to you. Maybe I'll put a poll up on Twitter or something. Oh, yeah, that'll be exciting. Because by the time... Because we're pre-recording these episodes a little bit in advance. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this, you'll have already seen this happen. Or if you're new, <laughs> go and follow us on twitter at the island lib pod while you're following us on twitter you should also check us out on instagram where we are at the island library podcast yep you should also check out our website islandlibrary.com where we are amazing where well to be clear we're amazing everywhere we are (laughs) there you can check out what we're reading for the book club as well which is always exciting if you're interested in joining our book club you can find the link through our website there's a special book club tab you can also support us on Patreon for less than that if you want to just show us support for what we do. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters and we also love all of our listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us each week. Thank you so much. You are making our little dreams come true. And thank you, Joe. It's been a delight chatting with you about these two very interesting books. Thank you, Laura, for having me and just being wonderful as always. See you all next week. Bye. Bye. I've got both sitting in my Amazon cart right now. I know Amazon is awful. I should be going through Waterstones, but they're holding a book of mine hostage while the store is closed, so I'm annoyed with them.